0: Land tax, stamp duty, tenants. Sure, property is great, but there are easier ways to get your passive income, sometimes with franking credits. Through ETFs or exchange-traded funds, you can buy a basket of shares in many different companies in one trade. BetaShares offers Australia's broadest range of ETFs, including income-focused funds, which aim to provide yield-hungry investors with attractive income streams. Discover the Betashares range of ETFs and how simple they can be to invest in by going to betashares.com.au. Read the relevant PDFs and TMD on the website and consider if the fund is right for you. This is a podcast by the Rask Group. It's for educational purposes only. So please do not make a financial, legal, investment, or taxation decision based on solely what you hear in this show.
1: G'day, welcome to the Australian Property Podcast. I'm Pete Borgent. This is our weekly two-cent segment where we take a plain English look at the big three property news stories of the week. And we're on a mission to become Australia's most trusted property podcast. So as usual, I'm joined by the maestro of mortgages, Chris Bates. Chris, how are we this fine day? Pete, happy Sunday. Uh, I'm doing very well. How are you doing? I'm pretty good. I'm actually down in Sydney this week. I've been uh, driving down the coast, as you might remember, from a week or two ago. So I've been visiting a few of those lifestyle regions of Australia that got hectically busy over the past couple of years, but they do seem to have quietened down a little bit. So uh, probably something we'll come on to talk about later
2: on in the show. How's your week been? Oh, it's been good. I had a good friend from London in town from uh, when I used to live there a decade ago. I um, had a nice big Mother's Day lunch with all the family. So um yeah, that's uh, my week's been just friends and family. So um, let's get cracking into this week, uh, Pete. I mean, there's, what's the three stories we're going
1: to attack? That stuff always confuses me because UK Mothering Sunday is on a different day to US and Australia, Mother's Day. So I always end up forgetting my mum's Mother's Day and then we've got a different one over here and then sometimes we're travelling. So... The number of times I've, that's got me into trouble is uh, ridiculous. But um, anyway, <laughs> I'll, we send went you, to, I'll send you a reminder next week. <laughs> yeah, we went to pancakes on the rocks in Sydney. So uh, no, no expense spared uh, for Mark. <laughs> <Street. laughs> so uh, uh, yeah, so we're going to talk about the big three news stories of the week as usual. So um, firstly, we're going to do a bit more on the budget. So. Um, there's uh, some big population numbers that came out in Labor's budget, and that's feeding into a lot of debate around the housing crisis and what might or might not be done about that over the next five years, given the huge population growth figures that are forecast in the uh, small print there. Secondly, we're going to talk a bit about the narrative shift around inflation. So inflation is starting to come back down now, not just in the US, but actually all over the world. Lots of countries on the way back down from that big spike in inflation. So we're going to talk a bit about the narrative shift and what comes next and then thirdly we're going to talk about lending because i guess chris is an expert in the area so there's a few different policy shifts in the lending space that has a direct impact on the housing market chris before we come on to that um i saw in the sydney morning herald this week um i was actually down in the, the eastern suburbs yesterday house uh 1920s bungalow up on the clifftops there so for, 45 million dollars and then i saw at the weekend there was a house i mean south yarrow melbourne that went two million dollars over reserve just a little detached house without Mm, parking Uh, just a semi and then yeah today kellyville three and a half million a homebush suburb record and then even in brisbane i saw a house in ascot that i was tracking sold for 5.9 million so make it make sense for me chris i thought we were supposed to be seeing a downturn and these are suburb records all over the place is this just a
2: a stock shortage thing. Yeah, I do worry about the the auction results, right? I mean, that place in South Yarra was it a great asset. I don't know, right? Like, I think there's a, you know, I mean, that place in Tamarama. I mean, that's a that's a dream block, one of a right? kind, I you suppose. Know, yeah, it's a, you know, the reason money's not an issue for that chap. Um, as a <laughs> fund manager, I think, out of the US and Aussie guy. Um, you know, putting fifty million dollars on a piece of land that you can build your forever home in. That's a that's a whole other. Sphere. I mean, a lot of the top end market I think is coming back. I think that, you know, the the, thought, the fear around inflation, the fear around interest rates going through the roof is sort of subsiding. Um, ultimately, I do think that buyers have got a lifestyle need, a demographic need to to purchase a home at some point. Um, a lot of them are thinking, well, um, last year would have been a great year to buy. And now, now they're thinking, well, um, market's core logic of coming out with better results for the first quarter. Now they're thinking, maybe I'm, I don't want to miss it, right? And so you can easily see that into the auction clearance rates where the desperation meter is starting to get quite high, right? People are willing to, to buy not just the great stuff, even the, the average stuff, I would say. Um, and that's a real sign that there's a real heat behind the market. Um, and so, yeah, low listings, um, but also buyers of urgency and buyers' willingness to sort of make the deal happen is much higher because they're worried they're going to miss it. You know, they miss that opportunity and the market's going to run on them. And I think that almost that fear of missing out is starting to come back, which is crazy because um, we're still in rates going up. Yeah, hopefully people aren't um, overextending themselves. I think you're right. The very
1: top end of the market, that's, that's a luxury good or what they call in economics a Veblen good. It's, it's people buying uh, assets that the average person can't, almost as a, um, a status symbol or a display of wealth. I mean, it's a bit like uh, the same reason that the private schools in Sydney can charge 50 grand a year. I mean, is the level of instruction that much better? Probably not, but people will still pay it. And paradoxically, the higher the prices go, almost the higher the demand goes. It's not not the usual laws of supply and demand, but it's those properties in places like Kellyville and Homebush and Ascot, those are those are just um, I saw another one in Rouse Hill today sold for two point eight million. These are sort of suburban houses that are selling at red hot prices despite everything that's been going on with interest rates so obviously a bit of a shortage of stock out there.
2: Yeah absolutely and I think that you know the worry is I think overextending yourself is really hard at the moment right because you can only borrow five times your income it's not seven or eight times and so um, usually the buyers who are in this market they're cashed up maybe they've uh, you know sold assets or business or you know, inheritance, et cetera, Um, and they're the ones in the market competing over a small number of properties on the market. And so, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how the the conversation around uh, where interest rates go long term, because I don't think buyers right now are factoring in potential rate cuts. Um, That's definitely not what our uh, buyers are thinking. They're saying, like, I need to still protect myself if rates go up to, you know, 4 or 4.5%. They're not saying, I'm not worried about that anymore let's put in a, a rate at 4.5% because I know there's 1% of rate cuts coming in the next 6 to 12 months. Um, if that happens, which will lead into our third story, um, that's obviously not great for prices, right? If you're looking to buy, it's obviously great if you own.
1: Not many for
2: sellers out there, so there's a real
1: stock shortage, you're right. So let's uh, crack on with the big three stories of the week. So I actually watched the budget uh, from a caravan park somewhere on the east coast around uh, Lennox Head or Byron or somewhere. Um, pretty sad, I know, but I like to keep a track of what's going on. And this is kind of segued or parlayed into a debate about population in the figures there, even if you went back a year ago, the budget figures were predicting um, overseas migration, are just sort of coming back to normal for this financial year. And instead what's happened is we've got overseas migration of 400,000 uh, for this financial year. But then even if you're going out across the forecast horizon, we're seeing higher um, Overseas migration figures than we've ever seen before. So three hundred and fifteen thousand for the two thousand and twenty-four financial year and then staying high twenty-five, twenty-six, twenty-seven. So if you add all that up, plus the natural growth in the population, you're looking at well over two million people over five years. And this is at a time when there's major problems that we've as we've touched on before in the construction sector. Mm. Builders and developers are struggling. So it looks like the the coalition. Uh, is taking the other side of this debate now. They're saying, well, this is too much. How are we going to cope with infrastructure, housing shortages? But don't forget, Labour is miles ahead in the polls, something like 58 to 42. Albanese is polling a lot better than uh, Peter Dutton. So, I mean, effectively, Labour's going to be in power for those five years unless something dramatically changes. Um, So this is going to have some real knock-on impacts to the housing market, Chris, because how are we going to supply enough housing for another couple of million people or probably more than?
2: Yeah, ultimately, I think the, the big worry with um, growing our population is that w- what does that happen to our rental market, right? Um, A lot of people think of what's happened to prices and property. I think what happens is the rental stress happens, right? And we've already got ridiculous rental stress. And what happens after people can't afford to rent, um, you get homelessness. So I think these are the real social issues that we're going to start to see. We're going to see rent going up because there's going to be more and more people moving here. Because, you know, when you move here, you don't just buy a house straight away, right? You You get to know an area, you get a job, you might be studying. A lot of these people are, um, you know, on one or two years sort of working visas, et cetera. So you're going to create even greater rental stress and they're going to be people that fall through the cracks and you're going to have issues with social housing, key worker housing, et cetera. Our cities start to become really undesirable places to live because you can't afford to rent um, and you've got no key workers, et cetera. So I think it's going to become a real social issue over that five years. My worry is though that the Labor are going to go back to their old policies and you can already start to see this in the SMH today is that they're thinking about things about bringing the band of negative gearing back. That's not going to also be great for a rental crisis. That's the opposite. Increasing the capital um, or reducing the capital gains tax discount um, would actually be encouraged less investors would not be great for the rental market. And so these two policies, greater migration which are going to create greater demand for rental accommodation? Yes, future buyers in the future—you know, three, four, five years after they move here—but you're going to create more rental demand um, at a time when you're trying to penalise investors, which actually create rental stock. Um, and you've got the issues with developers not being able to—you um, know—and they're not building um, apartments generally for investors anyway right now because the investors find it really hard to borrow money, just because borrowing capacity is really tight. Um, And not many investors actually got capacity left over or they want to invest in the market. Right. Um, And so I think you've got very few investors and very few developers able to build um, anywhere near the amount of housing that we need. And so it's not a pretty picture, Pete. I haven't got the the answers, um, but it's not looking good on, on lots of different
1: levels there. So most new arrivals to Australia, you're right, are renters. Initially, most people don't come here and buy a house on the first day they arrive. It's logistically just not realistic most people. I did notice driving down the coast this week, though, that some of those lifestyle regions are noticeably quieter. Uh, Byron Bay, Lennox Head. um, I was in the Blue Mountains this week. And yes, there's a bit of tourism coming back from India and China, but it's not the hectic rental market that it was. And I I saw this week SQM Research reported that rental vacancies are rising not only in those areas, but also uh, Hobart has seen quite an increase and Canberra. I think um, I did notice that the ABS reported that actually for April, there was something like 60,000 more people left the country than arrived, mainly on short-term uh, journeys to Europe and elsewhere, so dusting off the passports. But that's really a short-term you know, uh, sort of tweaking around the edges. The big long-term picture is um, even the budget forecast, 2.2 2 million people in five years. So that's the equivalent of five Canberra's worth of people or the equivalent of a whole new Perth being added to Australia in five years. And that's the real challenge. So I think Labor's ideas of tweaking, you know, cutting back on negative gearing, um, increasing the capital gains tax discount. I think the problem is for private investors, you don't have to invest in residential housing. You could look at commercial property. You could go put more money in your superannuation. You could invest in Aussie stocks, international stocks. You don't have to money into housing and if they make it less and less attractive for investors that's just not going to help but i did notice in the budget though quite a um move towards the build-to-rent sector which you and owen talked about on two cents last week
2: yeah and i think you're right i think the um, build-to-rent will be a small play over the next decade and hopefully it's super successful and it offers a great um rental solution for you know lots of different parts of the uh income spectrum right um and, but I don't know if it's going to be the one solution. I do think, though, the investors are also the ones who potentially are selling right now. Um, we've spoken about this on Two Cents before. And um, as it's, if interest rates do stay high, and they do stay high for the next few years, it's not the homeowners going to be exiting the market, it's also the investors. So not many investors are going to be entering, but also investors will be leaving, which is then going to further exacerbate the um, rental stress in the market. And so I think that's a ticking time bomb that um, not many people are talking about right now. So a lot of investors are holding on. Because they know if they do sell, they're not going to be able to go and buy another asset. So they can't say, well, if I sell this, I'll go and buy something better, um, because their borrowing capacity won't allow that. They've actually got more debt than they could borrow today. And so, um, yeah, the population story is going to heat up. And I reckon it's going to be a big conversation in the next election, which is, before you know it, it's only going to be two years away.
1: Yeah, Yeah. short election cycles in Australia comes around before you know it. And Yes, SQM definitely noticed um, or noted that people are moving back to the capital cities a bit now, which is driving yeah. some of those um, rental vacancy rises around the region, regional parts of Australia. So uh, this is, as you said, this is not going away anytime soon and population housing crisis debate will go on for the next couple of years and beyond. Um, so let's take a look, Chris, at the second big story of the week. So the narrative around inflation. So in the US, um, in the middle of last year, we had inflation at nine percent this week um, or just a week ago. Now, uh, the inflation rate fell to four point nine percent over the years. So it's still just gradually ticking back lower. I noticed, though, that the the uh, housing component, which has been a massive part of the inflation story in the U.S., is now finally rolling over. I think in real time, people have been saying, well, hey, rents are actually falling here, but it takes its time to work through into the official numbers. And now that's starting to pull inflation lower producer price inflation is already back to around 2%. So that sort of suggests further disinflation ahead. So what does that mean? I guess, well, potentially the Fed has delivered its last interest rate hike in the US. Now, we're mainly interested in Australia, where we're sort of running a bit behind some of the other parts of the world because we kept the borders closed for longer. Lockdowns went on for a long time in Victoria. Um, And yes, we've still got pressure on rents, inflation, as you mentioned, but if you look at other parts of the economy, fuel prices, at least unleaded fuel prices, they're now down about 9% from a year ago. But I think as you've mentioned once before, Chris, we're mostly on variable rate mortgages here in Australia. So all of those rate hikes are going to just suck the spending out of the economy. And Westpac has said on its credit card tracker, we're really looking at maybe a retail recession ahead or a consumer recession. So, um, Chris, so we we always read the media and there's always something that's going to blow the world up. It was the fixed rate cliff. And then before that, it was the Banking World Commission. The inflation narrative is going to fall away, it looks like, over the next three to six months. So what do you think comes next? Are we going to be hearing news stories about recessions or per capita recessions? What do you think the new narrative will be?
2: I think you're right. I think the, um, I was, I saw that sort of um, Westpac report as well. And I think it's, it makes sense, right? I think a lot of people were, you know, still wanting to live the life in 2022, coming out of COVID and go on the holiday and enjoy their Christmas. And, you know, and um, they're also on 2% mortgages. But ultimately, every month now, a big way that people are coming off their mortgages, Um, the banks are competing very fiercely to keep them a very good variable rate. Um, You know, they're actually offering them, you know, sensational rates to stay at the bank. So they're not jumping anywhere near as high as all the um, predictions were. You know, a lot of the the papers over the last year or so have been, oh, people are going to come off 2% and go to 6%. That's just not the case. People are not going to 6% rates on their own. And, uh, you know, and and so even if the RBA does go up a, a couple more times, it's still not going to be at 6%. So I think you're right. I think people are getting to this. Um, Coming off their fixed rates, they know rates are going to potentially go up. Um, They also know that I think the confidence around jobs is nowhere near as high as it was. Um, You know, we've got lots of redundancies, I think, with our um, pre-approvals and people are wanting to see what happens with work and layoff before they purchase. Um, But I think, yeah, definitely we're... We're going into, you know, batten down the hatches phase, which obviously leads into tough times for retail and things like that. Um, and it really depends on how um, what's the hit to our unemployment, right, and how tight does our labour market stay. Um, if that stays really tight, maybe that's not great for inflation, right? Like it's, you know, we could create this problem where um, we get wage price inflation as well.
1: The budget forecasts um, the unemployment rate to rise from around 3.5% where it is today to about 45 Mm. Uh, by 2025. So it's a gradual increase. But I mean, these are forecasts and they can often be wrong. We do have a lot of people coming into the country, which itself should um, hopefully solve some of those shortages. And wage price inflation, at least on the official figures, only running around 3.5%. So we're not there. Mm. Yeah, we certainly haven't seen the high increases in wages that uh, some other parts of the world, notably the US, has seen. Um, So what does this mean for property investors Chris I mean I guess it feels like we're in the eye of the storm at the moment but if you look at what financial markets are saying uh, potentially lower interest rates over the next 18 months so it's largely a case of hang in there and try to a bit like the old theme of invest for how you think the world will be in two years time rather than how it is today Um, maybe try not to get too caught up in the weekly or monthly headlines because um, I guess there's always uh, a catastrophe being forecast and predicted but most often
2: um, the worst uh, the most extreme predictions don't come to pass well yeah i mean i think six months ago everyone was very concerned around inflation but then if you look at where we are today you know the statue saying there in the us i know the uk is also um energy prices have collapsed over there that was causing huge problems right um and so i think you know you'd have to say the inflation story is turning over right um maybe it's not going to go down as fast as people expect and maybe rates are going to have to go higher in the short term. But, um, you know, I guess it's you've got to make a call on that. You know, you can be very doomsday and say that is going to be super high and rates are going to be super high for the next decade or you could say that this is going to be nipped in the bud in the next two or three years and, you know, uh, is the RBA going to be able to hold rates at, you know, 4% or are they going to have to cut them to, you know, stimulate the economy out of some type of recession or, you know, and to stimulate the wealth effect. Um and so if you take that view, um, ultimately as soon as you get to a situation where inflation gets under control and they start talking about rate cuts, I think you've missed the boat. I think you, you'll start to see all your competition will start factoring in rate cuts to what amount of debt they're willing to take on and they'll start stretching and stretching because they, they're not concerned around rates going up, they're actually factoring in rates going down. And that's definitely not the case right now, but it could very easily be the case in six months' time. And I think this leads into our Third um, sort of story, Pete, around lending policy shifts and what may happen around things like APRA and and the banks. Absolutely.
1: So this is more your bailiwick than mine, but uh, I did see Westpac reported in its consumer sentiment figures this week. Consumer sentiment took a knock because of the interest rate hike, but actually house price expectations have absolutely rocketed back since around October last year, which is more or less what you were talking about previously was that that was really the peak of the fear? Now people yep. are starting to think, well, maybe we're close to the peak of the cycle. The world hasn't ended, and um, uh, well, the, the prices are actually rising in a lot of markets, which is just you know people, I guess, um, bit of a Pavlovian response. We've always seen downturns followed by upswings, and people are just piling back in. Now on the lending side of things, Chris, a few of the banks have reported strong profits over the past week or two. Um, mortgage arrears are rising, but not really that much so far. Um, there might be a bit more in the post, but it does seem that maybe the the banks are pulling back from some of the mortgage wars narrative that we have been seeing um, over the past six months or so. Is that is that what you're seeing as a broker?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So the uh, ANZ a few years ago um, thought it was a great idea to offer people with home loans a cashback if they wanted to switch to ANZ. Um, that. Uh, I guess, initiative was extremely successful for ANZ. So it was like, if you refinance to us, we'll give you $4,000. I'm not sure if it's four or two. Um, And um, we'll give you a lower rate. ANZ got flooded with new business. Every bank thought, hang on a sec, this is a great idea. Why don't we do a cashback? And then all of a sudden, since then, I don't know if it's been two or three years, all the banks have been offering cashback. You know, sometimes two to six to $8,000. It's been crazy. It's like, if they want to get a refinance, you've got to offer a cashback. I think all the banks... um, probably secretly behind the scenes um, I'm sure there's a little cartel happening where they've all said Look, let's just get out of this cashback game we're all shooting ourselves we're all cannibalizing ourselves um, and finally um, they've all one by one said we're not going to offer cashbacks um, so they've all sort of towed the line and um, I think it was I am not sure it was CBA pulled out first but now everyone else is. so I think the cashbacks aren't really going to exist which I think is actually good I think it was encouraging people just to play the game get the cashback refinance and with churning the banks, really, it was, it was really unprofitable business for the banks. And um, it wasn't really great for the, um, their mortgage books. Um, but also, interestingly, um, one of the banks, I don't like to say who, um, also upped their pricings uh, out of cycle rate increase this week on their existing book. Um, and I think what's happening is is the banks have been so competitive on pricing. That they're now saying, hang on a sec, I think we've gone too far. I think we're going to increase the cost on our mortgage book because we've gone too big on the discounts. But what this actually means is if you've got a home loan and you haven't renegotiated it, you're actually just paying even more loyalty tax um, if you haven't refinanced. Because the banks are now going to up their rates on existing um, customers, I feel, over the next six months. So I think you've really got to track your rate um, because... You know, not many people would have picked that up. They would have just thought it was an RBA re- increase, but it wasn't. It was just an out-of-cycle increase by the banks. And so um, I think there's also lots of innovation happening or whether you call it that, with the banks around refinancing. I think APRA is really going to allow the banks, um, ANZ, for example, um, and some other banks you can refinance without um, having to do a full serviceability set, um, you know, uh, assessment as long as your new repayment's under what you're currently paying. I think that's really good because it stops people in this um, you know fixed rate cliff and you know stuck on a really high rate so i think it's a really competitive um, you know thing for the, the mortgage market um, but also i think you know the, the big story is going to be around borrowing capacity and afra have increased the serviceability buffer from two and a half percent to three percent um, i think they did that at the height of 2021 um, to really slow down the market um, because they you know to protect borrowers if rates went up they were really late to the party to be honest they came in after prices that have already gone up 30 to 40%, to say, hang on a sec, let's protect borrowers from now on at 3%. Well, the market, the, the horses have already bolted. But if APRA come in um, to encourage more lending um, and reduce their serviceability buffer, it would make sense, I believe, to do that when rates have been stable for some time and rate cuts are starting to happen. And so if you get to this situation where rate cuts are happening, and APRA step in to reduce serviceability buffers, you're going to get a double hit to borrowing capacities. Rates go down, borrowing capacities go up, but also APRA steps in, reduces the serviceability buffer, borrowing capacity goes up, plus you've got wage increases, um, more self-employed business profits, et cetera. So you're going to see capacities going up and then people's um, desire to take on that debt also go up because rates are going down and the market's also been going up. So I think that's the the sort of the, the median term view is if, if we get to this position where rates are going plateau and then maybe there's rate cuts, I also think that's when when borrowing capacities are really going to start shooting up again.
1: Phew, there's a bit to digest there. So uh, yes, I, I'm glad to see the back of cashbacks. I always have this sense that um, somebody's paying for that. So, uh, if it's probably the existing borrowers, are just they're paying a higher price effectively or a, a loyalty tax while the new borrowers are getting these uh, sort of cashbacks. And I think uh, in the end, the, it comes out in the wash and somebody's paying for it. I saw this week um, that one of the non-bank lenders um, reduced its lending assessment buffer down to 200 basis points. So if you're not familiar, that's uh, when you're going for a mortgage, you'll be stress tested with a buffer to ensure uh, that you can comfortably make the repayments in the event of interest rates going up. Um, but we've had the biggest Uh, lending assessment buffer on record since 2021 Mm. as Chris was saying. Now most of the banks are actually regulated uh, by the prudential regulator APRA and they're still at 300 basis points but I have heard around the traps Chris that for refinancing existing mortgages potentially there could be some leeway there. I think it's, um, it's already happening as you mentioned so the fixed rate cliff it might still bite for some borrowers but Um, They should be able to shop around a little bit more, a bit more uh, wriggle room and an ability to refinance just to smooth out that uh, shock factor, I guess, as people reset their mortgages to higher rates.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think you've really got to stay on your home. It makes sense for me to say that as well, right? Being a broker. (laughs) But I think right now, I think because the loyalty tax is so big, because most people's repayments are jumping all over the place, coming off fixed rates. and, you know, that also might be, you know, making things quite tough from a financial point of view. And because borrowing capacity is really tight and because there's these new sort of policies that didn't exist before that allow you to refinance, Well, you don't think you can refinance, maybe you can. Um, and so, uh, and things are changing. We've heard through, you know, state managers the banks that probably shouldn't tell us things, but um, the banks are doing things as well, right? Because so they know about this issue. They know that, um, you know, people are struggling on their home loans and then rather... Um, keep them in their homes on a lower repayment then you know start to create issues with arrears and things like that so um, the non-bank story um, is a bit of a worry we do under well under five percent of our loans at non-bank it's probably more likely under three or one percent um, and you know reason is a lot of people who've gone to non-banks traditionally are people who are stretching their borrowing capacities to the absolute limit and usually it's to buy one more investment property or it's or maybe it's low doc loans or issues with their credit file they might be the other ones but um those type of investors um, are also most likely to be ones to go into arrears, right? Um, and so I think you, you're getting issues with their funding um, and also their arrears rate and non-banks. Um, and that's one of the uh, big challenges with the non-banks at the moment. Um, they're not having access to cheap cash and can lend it out um, really easily because there's lots of investors wanting to stretch.
1: Mortgage rate is definitely rising for the non-bank lenders. So it's definitely something to keep an eye on. So let's uh, wrap this up then, Chris. So the big three news stories. I think the population and the big Australia debate and what the government decides to do about that, well, that's not going away anytime soon. We had two and a quarter million or possibly even more people in five years. That's going to be a huge issue, an election issue. Um, and there'll be potentially new policies taken for the next election. So watch this space. I think the inflation narrative is starting to shift. Not quite yet in Australia, but it certainly is in other parts of the world. So I think towards the end of the year, we'll see the media headlines shifting away from inflation and towards the, the risk of potentially a downturn, a slowdown, or maybe a recession. Uh, remember though that not all recessions are 1933 and uh, or 2007 to 2009. Sometimes you just get a small uh, recession or maybe what they call a per capita recession where after you adjust for the population, the economy goes backwards. But it doesn't necessarily mean it's a doomsday scenario. And I think on the lending policies, well, it's, it's a movable feast. So I think definitely stay in contact with your brochure and um, with your broker, I should say. Um, so, Chris, on that point, uh, I noticed a, a rebranding for you at Blusk now. Um, so uh, where can people go um, as you're a doyen of answering all the mortgage questions?
2: Where can people go if they want to find out some more? Definitely go into the show notes. There's a link there that um, Owen and I put together. And um, if you aren't already, get on Pete's blog. Um, I read it religiously every day and I think it's an amazing resource of of learning. So um, awesome to chat this week, Pete, and um, I look forward to chatting next week. And everyone have a happy Sunday.
1: Yeah, thanks, Chris. Yeah, I'll be traveling uh, this week. I'm doing some long haul flights. So I'll have to tap out a few blogs. And uh, yeah, thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, We do always encourage you to send in your property questions via the link in the show notes, or even if you just want to say good day. And uh, really enjoyed it. Thanks, Chris. And we'll see you next episode. We'll see you then.
2: Cheers.